Hi, Chris. Hello, Martin. How are you? <laughs> it's like you expect my answer to change well, week by week. Are you monitoring my progress? I am. My, my mental health? I'm making notes. I appreciate that. Thank you. How, how is your mental health? It's pretty good. Good. Yeah, I was thinking, actually, I wanted to talk to you about this. This is probably a good time to talk about it. On the podcast? You know we're recording, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Ah, okay. Um, I was thinking we could change the description from suicidal to depressed. Okay. Yeah, and I was also thinking as we move through this, Yeah. like, am I always going to be depressed? Probably not. Well, I think I've moved out of suicidal. Well, I, I was going to say, let's take a step back, because not perhaps not everyone listening knows that we've labeled you a suicidal producer uh, yes, in the yes, description. Yes. Which... To be fair, that was kind of my choice. I mean, you wrote it initially, but then we mm. had to press in there and I was like, oh, we should change it. Cause mm. Well, you were suicidal once. Yeah, I was. So I guess what I'm saying is that I am good, no longer suicidal. Nice. So yeah. it's kind of like that the, the DEFCON uh, nuclear <laughs> rating change. Yeah, exactly. Nuclear warfare rating change. Yeah, exactly. I, I always get this mixed up. You know, DEFCON, it's DEFCON 1 to 5, isn't it? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Well, you would because this is an American thing, I think. It isn't is it? an American thing. So yeah. is DefCon one, um, like the whatever really average one, or is that like? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that DefCon one is yeah, that's the baseline. And, and DefCon five, yeah, then DefCon four and five, that's when shit's going down. It's basically okay. an impending nuclear war. It's the end of the world. Yeah. As, yeah, as, yeah. as REM would sing. So um, okay, so so your DefCon three two. Two? I also get them confused too, but let's just go in the middle because I'm feeling in the middle. I'll I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. I yeah, mean, it feels good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, good for you, bro. Looking. Thank you. <laughs> it. you. You're only depressed. Yeah, I'm only mildly depressed now. I wouldn't even say clinically depressed. I don't really know what the difference is. Good. I think you have to be told by a so-called professional that oh, you're depressed. Right, right, right. right. And you don't have cancer. No, I don't. That's great. No, I don't. Yeah. Obviously nobody has a clue about, um, about any of that, but, uh, is that something you feel comfortable talking about? Yeah. More than happy to talk about it. Um, anybody listening to the podcast w- might have noticed that my voice has been a little bit sort of gravelly and, um, and I'm a bit wheezy. Um, and, uh, I've essentially been struggling with a, 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 a really quite debilitating lung condition for the last 18 months and um yeah it's getting pretty bad and 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 getting me down as well which is pretty hard to do these days um so i've been having lots of tests and uh, found out today i don't have cancer and you you kind of scared me too because i i walked up as you were you and jules were pulling up Uh the bike and you looked at me dead in the eyes with all the seriousness that you could muster and you said chris i have some bad news and you said i don't have cancer so we can't talk about it on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> which is a bit crap because it would have been absolutely brilliant if i was actually dying happy um however we're just gonna have to carry on with <laughs> media <laughs> mediocre chatter <laughs> well hey that's fine i mean yeah. but technically i am dying and you're dying and everybody uh, around us is dying <laughs> so i suppose we can always fall back on that one yeah yeah absolutely um, so I'm not, uh, dying of cancer. You, uh, are feeling a little bit better and presumably as a result of this ongoing, these, these shenanigans, these podcasting shenanigans. Yeah. At least good. In, in, in some way. Yes. Good. Well, and I'm sure other things. So, well, that's us. Um, 
I was I was wondering what we should what we should talk about in this week's chinwag, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and because as most people know by now, we're 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 broadcasting from from Bali, uh, in Indonesia, other side of the world, and so the um, the things that we're exposed to here, as opposed to people in the West and in in, in Central Europe and and Americania and uh, Inglaterra. Uh, are, are completely different, aren't they? For yeah. for example, Christmas isn't really a big deal here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I've ever noticed, anyway. Um, and likewise, Halloween isn't. But of course, Halloween is around the corner for uh, for for any listeners in the West. It it is. Happy Halloween for any wish, uh, Western listeners. Happy Halloween! I see what you did there. Happy Halloween! Halloween. What did I do? Well, because it's called How to Die Happy, isn't it? Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it f- it feels like a lot of days in Bali are similar to Halloween in the sense that... <laughs> how? Well, in the sense that you know how, how the Balinese are with spirits and how there's this constant dance that they're doing with the, the dark spirits and yep. the, the light spirits, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it is a good time to talk about some ghost stories. Yeah. I like that idea. I like that idea too. So we're, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're melding both the West and the East right now. I reckon. And, and also, um, well, it's, I I suppose we're doffing our cap to, to the Halloween, um, folks, wherever you are, whoever's celebrating Halloween in the next few days on the other side of the world. I've got a great, uh, (laughs) Great sound for you for this little chat then. Do you? Well, if we're going to tell ghost stories, yeah, I, we need to be around a, a campfire, don't we? Okay, sure. But we're in my spare bedroom. <laughs> we are, we are. So I thought to add a little bit of ambiance, we, mm-hmm. could, we could maybe transport ourselves from my spare bedroom. Perhaps all of our listeners could do this at the same time. So forget momentarily that Chris and I are sitting around in our pants in my spare bedroom. <laughs> Why in pants? <laughs> well, anyway, forget that. <laughs> forget the image of both of us here with pants on. Just saying, we do have pants on in the spare bedroom. Okay. Okay. Take us there. Three, two, one. We're by the fireplace. We're by the campfire wow. out in the forest. Beautiful. Have you got any ghost stories? I have a story. I think you would I think you would call it a night terror story. But okay. I, w- I would say there's a ghostly element to it. Do you want to do you want to kick off with a little night terror story? I do. Go. I do. Tell tell me okay. all tell us all about it. Even though you're such a good storyteller, I feel like it's just It's, nice it's better me. than following you with the story though. I guess I'll just kick off with the story and then you can go and you're like the uh the main act on the warm up. <laughs> what do they call it? I'm the opener. The opener. I'm the opener. Oh, it's nice for me to kick back for a moment and listen to you. Yeah, with the, I like this campfire. It's good, isn't it? It's fun, yeah. I feel warm. I feel like I'm in the Sierra Nevadas. Do, uh, do you want some marshmallows? No, oh, not really. Okay. And you can't have any marshmallows. No, I'm on a detox now. Thanks I think to I'm going to be like hospital on Hospital stuff. Yeah, no, that's good. I think I'm going to be on a, what would they call that? Like a sympathy detox with you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Thanks, man. Well, if anybody doesn't know what a night terror is, it is truly terrifying. I know what a night terror is. They're 
fucked up, aren't they? Yeah, I've had a few. They're really fucked up. Very I don't have so. a specific story. I mean, I guess my story would be the same as most people who've had one of these experiences before. Yeah, it's still worth sharing, though, and, and still I, worth discussing the concept of it. Okay, yeah, so here we go. So I was probably the first time, it's happened to me multiple times, the first time it happened to me, I was probably in my mid-20s, and I was living in Monterey at the time, Monterey, California. Monterey can be a little bit foggy and spooky, and it's got a little got something going on there for sure <laughs> so i i don't remember exactly what was going on in that time of my life but obviously some shit was going on and i woke up in middle of the night whatever 2 3 a.m and i can't move i'm completely paralyzed mm-hmm. and at the same time i feel like i'm suffocating i feel like i can't take a deep breath in mm-hmm. i look around the room and i feel completely conscious except for the fact that I can't move, except for my eyes. My eyes seem to be open. I look around the room, and I see this dark figure, human in shape, human-ish in shape, in the doorway. And it moves toward me, hops onto my chest, and is, like, suffocating me somehow. As in suffocating you... Not strangling me, but sitting on top of my chest, standing on top of my chest, pushing down. Okay. So that feeling of being paralyzed was Mm -hmm. accompanied by this feeling of not being able to fucking breathe and feeling like this dark entity Mm. is squishing the life out of me. Yeah. And I, at that point I realized I wasn't fully awake. So I, I fully wake up, Mm -hmm. gasp for air and fucking terrified because I had no idea what was going on. It was the first time that I experienced something like that. It was sweating bullets. I was just like, what the fuck was that? Mm. So that is my ghostish story. Now, I'm sure science has some explanation for that. I read a little bit about it. I think it's some dark entity doing some fucked up shit trying to, <laughs> who knows? Well, I, I agree with you. But yeah, you're right. Science does have uh, an explanation for it. Of course, they, they call them night terrors. Night terrors, uh, yeah. Label them night terrors. Um, and they say it's just a state of... Uh, a dream state. Right. So your body's kind of stuck in between, right? It's in that REM state, but then... Allegedly so. But then, of course, on the flip side of that, you had a... You were lucid dreaming because you you realized that you were asleep. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. and then we're able to wake yourself up. Which is one of the few times that's happened before, too. I've wanted to lucid dream, but I haven't been able to get there. It's, Except for that time. I, I do quite a lot of lucid dreaming these days. Um, and it's quite a wonderful thing to be able to do because you can wake up inside your dream. Going slightly off piece for a moment, one time I had a dream inside a dream. I'm- <laughs> Are you following me? <laughs> yeah. You know that movie yeah, Inception? Seen Inception, yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh-huh. This actually happened to me. Okay. No, it wasn't as cool as the movie, I, and I couldn't even tell you what the dream was. But I, um, so I woke in the dream uh-huh. uh, and then realized that I still was asleep. So I had to uh-huh. then wake up again to get out of. Uh-huh. Yeah, right? But again, I could do it. It wasn't frightening because I. the whole point of being able to lucid dream is that you can control your dreams. Mm. So whenever you find yourself, and it's often in situations like this, actually, where something's terrorizing you, some mad, Mm. mad stuff's happening, or you're doing or saying or thinking some stuff that you would never ordinarily do uh, in this this realm consciously. You wouldn't be that unpleasant, and nor would any of these people around you. And then suddenly 
you can lucidly realize that you're stuck in this situation and go, hang on a minute, I'm being terrorized here. Mm. And then that's it. Mm. And you just wake up or flip the script in the dream, which is even better. You can stay, fun with it. stay in the dream. Exactly. Cool. I, I, I had one of those as well once. I had, uh, well, I used to have them all the time. And, uh, and I, I, one time in particular, I, I was pinned down by mm. a shadowy figure. Well, I was pinned down. Couldn't feel all the same sleep paralysis because that's something else they label it as, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all of that feeling. But I was out of my body. So then I could see, I was at the other side of the bedroom and I could see myself in bed pinned down with this, I'm going to say incubus um, entity, shadowy entity on top of me. And it had my mouth open. It was trying to climb into my mouth. So then I had to, uh, this was a lucid dream. I had to snap back into my body and eject it. Wow. Right now, some people will be thinking... What? <laughs> what are you guys smoking? What are you, you guys back in that PCP? <laughs> um, we can assure you that we are 100% sober. Totally sober. Completely, like more sober than I feel comfortable being, actually. Yeah, well, hey, I'm, I, kidding, I'm coming up to my 9th of February. It will be my fourth anniversary. Really? Clean and sober. That's my dad's birthday. Yeah. Probably shouldn't call out my dad's birthday. On, yeah, on well, happy, happy birthday. And happy four years Papa of being C. clean. Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, it's February, so we've got a while to go. Wow, it's a long time. So I had I had that experience and many others. Um, when you start talking about ghosts to people, mm-hmm. you either get you either get sheer fascination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I don't know what you think, or or you get people um, nodding knowingly. Yep, yep, yep. All of that, and it's so nice to hear somebody else saying it out loud. Or you you get utterly, which has always baffled me the most, utterly dismissive uh, responses. Not possible, impossible, you're making it all up. Or it didn't happen, or you must have misunderstood what you saw. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I've heard, actually, I had a conversation with my friend a few days ago. And I think that the, the dismissiveness came from the label of ghost. Because I think that most people will be on board talking about spirits, talking yep. about energy, however they want to classify it. Yep. But this idea that a ghost, at least, and we kind of came to this definition together. I was like, well, so you're dismissive about it, but why exactly? Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean when you say a ghost? And I, and I don't know if this is what technical definition of a ghost is, but what we came to was that a ghost, at least as we understand it in the Western world, is when the spirit doesn't fully transition and it is caught in whatever place that it was in when it was part of this mm. physical body. Mm-hmm. That, does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I would, I would say so. I, I'd say that's a fair, uh, fair observation of, of what most people would think a ghost is. Well, and I think maybe that's why they're dismissive because they don't want to, they don't want to believe even if they do, even if they're religious, right. Or they're, they're quote unquote spiritual and they believe in energy. They believe in a soul. The idea of that energy being stuck. Nobody wants to. That's a terrible idea, isn't it? You don't want to get your head around that, do you? That's scary. Well, I, so I've, through my life, had quite a few experiences. I would say an unnatural amount of experiences. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) sounds about right. Uh, So lots of interactions, excuse me, on and off. With ghosts. With with ghosts, yeah. Would, would you, based off of 
the definition that we just we came to, which I don't know if that's accurate or not, would you say that it ghosts in that sense? Well, it's it's interesting you should ask because I was just just kind of going through my uh, my memory banks of of the experience I've had to to ask myself whether or not they were all whether or not it was evident that they were all uh, energy leftover energy from people who were here prior. And I, I would say most of them were, but then I do also wonder whether or not some of the experiences I've had have been with entities, if you like, that aren't necessarily ghosts. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of people believe actually that spectres, let's use the word spectres, that's a good word. Specter. Spectres uh, can also be interdimensional uh, entities or flashes mm-hmm. of something. And of course I'm saying interdimensional now, everyone's going, well, now what are you talking about? Just just try to bear with me on this one. But if, you, if, we, if, we can all, if we can if we can all agree that actually we can only see, what is it, something like 1%. The human eye can see 1% of the, the entire light spectrum. Is that mm. right? And likewise with the audible spectrum. There's, so there are lots of things that we know are, are a frequency or a, a type of light that we know is possible, but we know, also know scientifically that we can neither hear nor see it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that fair enough? But yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure if it's 1%, so... Don't quote me on that, but I know it's a well, very... Well, it's a tiny, tiny a, percentage. I know it's a small percentage. We probably know, don't even know what the percentage is because well, it's one of those things like you don't know what you don't know. How big is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And we could get lost in that rabbit hole. <laughs> we could. <laughs> but keep going. But I know that... Well, you and I know that we that we don't know what we don't know. And, and a fair few people outside of that also know the same thing. So the, the, the <laughs> I'm getting lost down that rabbit hole. That's pull okay. out, pull back, pull back, pull back. Step Drop away back. from the what we don't know hole. <laughs> yeah. The point being that we have got into this strange mindset, I think, societally, that has has us essentially questioning the validity of anything that we can't see uh, or hear, or of course, well, any, anything that we can't sense with the five senses. Mm-hmm. And I, I do wonder if we are being uh, ludicrously dismissive, uh, dismissive uh, in, in that sort of, with that sort of attitude. Because I'm not the only person who's seen ghosts. Obviously, lots and lots and lots of people have. In fact, people have been seeing ghosts for as, as long as stories have been told, right? Mm-hmm. I reckon. So I, I figured I'd tell you a story. I'll tell you. I've got loads of these stories. Certainly not enough for a chin. I've got too many for a chinwag. So I'll, I'll tell you this ghost story. You're going to tell us the best one, I hope. Well, yeah, this is a really good one. I've got, I have got some doozies. Okay. Um, but but this, is a, this is a good one that, that, that will go on to provide perhaps some proof in inverted commas. Actually, no, I've got... Yeah, I'll I'll tell this one. Maybe I'll do another one as well. So when I was a little boy, I lived in... uh, My my family and I lived in a little farmhouse uh, in the Yorkshire countryside. It was called Corner Farmhouse. It was this white, old farmhouse, and it was on the corner uh, of... It was on a crossroads. Now, we're not going to get lost into the whole occult... uh, 
symbolism of, of crossroads, but there there is one. Google it. Um, so this house was a very, very old stone farmhouse and been been around for hundreds of years. And it was like an L shape, you know, so you had the, the front, the, you know, the, the main house was on the roadside. And then this L shaped piece came out the back of it, uh, obviously connected. And we always used to feel, my little brother and I, we'd be running up and down the stairs and we had an idea that something was watching us from this window. Now, I was six and he was four, so I can't tell you what, what we said about it. I can't remember. But we always felt like this thing was on this, this window ledge watching us. So we would hold each other's hands, run up the stairs, run into this, into this, this you know, annex at the end of this, this farmhouse, uh, hold the door open, run in, grab the toys and run out again because we were so scared of something in this room as well. So we had the thing on the window ledge that was looking at us and we had this, this thing in this, this, this extension, this stable sort of extension, which had wooden floorboards and wooden beams. It was a pretty creepy room. And, and exposed brick. It wasn't very well decorated. So we'd get our toys and we'd pull them out onto the landing, but we'd have to arrange our toys facing this window ledge because something was watching us on this window ledge. And it wasn't a nice thing. It was a gnarly thing. Super creepy. Super creepy. Did you see it, see it or did you just feel it? We felt it, but yeah. I think it's safe to say we both felt its gnarliness as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like a, I don't know, I always got the sense it was sort of like curled up like a little nasty little gargoyle thing on the window <laughs> ledge God. watching these two little kids playing. Oof. So fast forward to fast forward to my older brother's 21st birthday I think. So we're we're a good few years on and he and uh, my little brother and, and, and I are all sitting in a room and we're talking about, ah, oh, do you remember that place? Oh, yeah, corner farmhouse, scary house, that. So I start, uh, I start telling him about, um, about this dream that I used to have. No, go back. Pete tells us a story about how, it, this is my older brother, how he's sitting in the, the end of that scary room at night with a CB radio. You know what a CB radio is? Yeah, like a, yeah. a long wave thing. Because uh -huh. back in those days, it, there was no internet. So so they would, like kids his age, teenagers, would sit on the on the radio, you know, <laughs> breaker, breaker, trying to reach out to truck drivers in France and, and random stuff. <laughs> right. You know, entertainment. It's the internet before the internet. Yeah, big time. So he's sitting in the dark, because he wasn't allowed to have the lights on, on the radio. And there's just, there's, there's nothing going on. Everybody else is, is asleep. Um, and suddenly the end door, into the, the door into the house flies open and these footsteps start walking towards him, like on the wood. Like toward, so from the house right towards him, into the room he's in and stopped right next to him by the window. And he's literally, he's sitting there terrified. He's holding his CB radio oh. in silence. And they turned on their heel and the footsteps walked out again. Ugh. Door opened, off they popped. So he shoots into the house thinking, what the f was that? And my bedroom door and my little brother's bedroom door are wide open. And we're both speaking absolute gibberish in our sleep. Oh my 
in in stereo. <laughs> so, so Pete just said. <laughs> so he's on. Pete is on the CB radio. Yeah. The short the shortwave radio. Uh huh. Here's the footsteps. Walk up. Stop. Turn around. Uh-huh. He's scared shitless. Yeah. Goes over the Follows room. them as <laughs> as you do in any good horror movie. Here's his two brothers asleep talking in speaking in tongues in stereo in two separate bedrooms and here's the other thing oh, when he, when he went when he before he started his little cb radio session he closed our bedroom doors we could not sleep with the doors um with the doors closed in that house we was yeah we were pretty scared so they had to go through this rigmarole. Of, you know, he, he, my mum and dad had to go through this rigmarole. They had to leave us to get to sleep and then close the doors. It was a very cold house. So he closed them. He knew, he knew they were closed. So he's standing on the landing and both doors are wide open and we're speaking in tongues. So he tells us this story and I just went like pale. And he, he says, what? And I said, I used to have this recurring dream all the time when we lived in that farmhouse of a man made of light almost like he was on fire and he would just pace up and down that room oh my god oh it's so creepy right that's so creepy you think that's creepy my little brother goes even more white and says so did i mm. Oof. and this is years later this is years later and you guys are both in your 30 or your all three. Well, he, no, 30s, Pete, Pete was 20. So I was in my late teens. So, so then we got talking with my dad and my mum, and it turns out there was a figure, large figure that used to appear at the end of everybody's bed all the time. And I remembered this. I remember actually, remember, uh, you know, when you, you have your eyes closed, but you feel a shadow come mm-hmm. over your eyelids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That used to happen all the time. I used to have to pretend to be asleep until this thing would go away. Uh, my mum would hear a baby crying quite a lot, children playing. And uh, so freaky deaky. So then some archaeologists came along and started doing a dig in the field next door because it was an old Saxon um, mound, which apparently had a Saxon castle. This is like really old English civilization, in inverted commas. And they found a Saxon burial ground under the perimeter of our house. So there was that. There were more strange things that happened there, but we we eventually moved out. Not not long after this huge fly infestation we had where half (laughs) of the house was covered in black fly. The The white house was black outside with flies. Like the like that Amityville movie, strange stuff. Anyway, we left. Fast forward now to thirty something, and I'm driving past there with uh, my second ex-wife, and you have two ex-wives. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not for this chin work. <laughs> we'll put a pin in that one. <laughs> yes. Okay. We've got time to come back to that one, but so you're not, dry. but not, not two two ghosts two two ghosts of, of, of my marriage past, and so so I, I we're driving past. You know, we, we we lived in Leeds in the United Kingdom, and of course we'd we, we'd come back to see my parents uh, for Christmas maybe. So I'm you know driving around the countryside, and I, and I suddenly stop and go, "Whoa, this is my old house." So we're sitting right on the crossroads 
we're looking right at the house and I'm saying to her, that was my bedroom. This, you know, that was James's bedroom. This used to happen, that used to happen. And this guy just knocks on the door, or knocks on the window. He's walking a dog. And I, and I was like, hi, can I help you? He said, well, I was going to ask you the same thing. You, this is my house. Is, is, is everything okay? I said, yeah, this is going to sound weird, but 30 years ago, yeah, I was 36, 30 years ago, I used to live here. And he said, no way. I said, yeah, he said, would you like to come in? I said, yes and no. <laughs> is that a fiery figure yeah. still walking up and down the halls? Yeah. Any babies crying in the kitchen? <laughs> flies. You yeah, flies. flies. No more flies, thanks. So he invites us in and I said to her, because I just, I already told her the story, you know, and I said, this would be quite interesting. And I'd always wanted to go back to this house. I think I'd always wanted to prove that I wasn't, that this wasn't some weird childhood fantasy that I'd just suddenly, you know, somehow told myself. So we're in the house, we meet the wife, his wife, and uh, she makes us a cup of cup of coffee or whatever. And we start walking around and they, sh- they give us a full tour of the house. And it was so strange to see all of these rooms. First thing, of course, all the rooms were significantly smaller than they were in my head. But then, of course, last time I was there, I was six. So I was like half the size. Right. So that was really, that was kind of a strange thing that the whole scale shift to get my head around. And they took me into the, the scary, the scary room with the, the walking man, but they'd carpeted it and they'd painted it and put plaster on the walls and stuff. So it was actually quite cozy. I didn't feel anything at all. Uh, nothing particularly suspect. So we're standing on the landing and she says to him, ask him. This is your, your wife at the time? No, his wife oh, his, says to him, ask oh, him. Oh, his wife. The guy's wife says to him, so the, ask so, him. So, yeah, I'm not doing a very good job storytelling okay. here. No, no, so there are, there are us two with our oh. cups and there are those two with their cups. And so we're all facing one another. Oh. And she just nudges her husband and says, ask him. And he says, no, no, I'm not, no. Go on, ask him. And he just sort of, he looks really embarrassed. And I said, I think I know what you're going to ask me. And he said, I don't think you do. And I said, is this place haunted? And he went, what? Yeah. Is that what he was going to ask? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. That's exactly. Did you ever have anything happen while you were here? <laughs> Did we have anything happen? So I, I reel off the list, blah, blah, blah. People at the end of the bed, flies, walking guy, babies, yada, yada. And they're both going, no way, same thing. The guy at the end of the bed, uh, baby crying. In particular, they had, uh, and it was always in the winter time, so it wasn't all wasn't throughout the year. They'd be sitting downstairs in the kitchen, all original stone, flo- um, stone flags, by the way, all downstairs, like super old English cottage, well, farmhouse. And they'd be sitting in, this, in the kitchen and they'd hear two kids tittering, do you know what tittering means? Uh, not really. That's an English thing, isn't it? Tittering's tittering. like... Tee-hee-hee. Oh, 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 why is that so creepy? So they heard these two little voices tittering and they looked down the corridor and then suddenly these two little kids popped their head around the corner. Right? Literally hands, you know, fingers, fingers around the edge like this. Like, hee and then... Oh, I wish they could see your face right now. <laughs> Such a creepy little kid face. <laughs> and then they ran off, and they could hear these little footsteps of these kids were running around. And um, oh. obviously the first time it happened, it terrified the shit out of them. 
but then they sort of got used to it. It became this bizarre, like, interaction. And it was a conscious interaction. This is, and this is the funny thing about coming back to the conversation we were having at the start. I, I've had a number of other uh, interactions, if you like, with, with things that were quite clearly... Well, there was one time, it was actually a, an ex-girlfriend's, uh, turned out to be her auntie was talking to me. Um, uh, uh, maybe I'll tell you, quickly tell you this story as well, and then we can, we can round up. So we're in Goa. Uh, in in bed, Goa's in Goa, India. India, uh, in bed in this beach hut, and we're like both uh, half asleep, and I'm and I'm stroking this this ex girlfriend's forehead, you know, like this sort of like you know just like lightly, like stroking her hair off her forehead sort of thing. Very cute. Thanks. And in my mind's eye, this this older Italian woman pops into my head. And she says, she used to love it when I did that. <laughs> For anybody who can't see Chris's face right now, he's looking a little bit freaked out. So so I say to this woman, without obviously speaking, didn't have to, I say, ah, yeah, yeah, she does really like this. Who are you? She says, my name's Rosa. I said, uh, oh, nice to meet you, Rosa. Nice to meet you too. And then she disappears. Anyway, I sort of stopped stroking the, the, the girlfriend's head at this time. And uh, she said, what, what, don't stop. Why are you stopping? I said, uh, this is going to sound a little bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. So I said, this woman's just popped into my head. And she just said, and she smiled. And she had a really lovely face. And she smiled and she said, she used to love it when I did that. And this girl jumps out of the bed. She goes, she wasn't called fucking Rosa, was she? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, she was a bit of a foul-mouthed uh, creature, this this particular Whoa. partner. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and So I'm like... No fucking way. On my mother's ashes. She jumps up and says... She wasn't called Rosa, was she? What the fuck? Right? And I say, yeah, she was. Yeah, you said it just that comment? Well, like, yeah, yeah she because... Was. You know Rosa too? Yeah. You know Rosa? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't kind of a big deal to me, but it was a big deal to her. So yeah, she's beside herself. She's like, is she here now? Is she here now? No, no, she's gone. She's gone. So anyway, so she, she gets back into bed calms down I said so who's Rosa she seemed lovely and, <laughs> and and so she tells me this story and she said so the so the girl was uh Italian and her, her parents had moved from um the countryside near Rome when she was a child when her and her brothers were, were children and uh they'd moved to England and they started a restaurant business this and is it, your girlfriend at the time the girlfriend at the time okay. and th they worked super hard lovely lovely people these uh this this couple were and they, but they worked to their fingers to the bone in this, this Italian your, restaurant business. The girlfriend's parents. Yeah. Okay. So, and they were working so hard trying to build this this restaurant that they had to send her back to Italy for a while mm. to hang out with Auntie Rosa. Rosa. <laughs> right? And she was so beside herself with not being around family, as, as you would naturally expect, that uh, Auntie Rosa would stroke her head exactly the same way I was stroking it. Whoa. Whoa. What happened to Rosa? She died. Uh, but I don't know how. I, don't, I can't remember. But yeah, she was obviously, she was obviously dead. So that, so, so that plays into the, the, the beginning of the conversation, doesn't it? Because on the one hand, you have these strange 
entities doing something that may or may not have been a previous uh, practice while they were alive. Mm -hmm. Perhaps standing at the end of the bed is just uh, a shadow of an energy shadow of something that was once alive that used to walk around the bedroom. You don't know. Stuff on top of you trying to climb, trying to terrorize you and climb into you. I don't think so. I think that's something else personally. Uh, And then on the flip side, you've got Rosa, who's obviously passed on, but has popped into my head, communicated with me, and then zipped off again. Mm. And then you've got these children mm-hmm. who are playfully, quite clearly not trying to frighten the people in this house that we used to live in. So... No, I, I like that breakdown because you've explored different possibilities. Mm. You've maybe expanded the definition of ghost. It doesn't really matter what you call it. Clearly, clearly there is some energy present. Yeah. And it's operating at frequencies that we sometimes can see and sometimes can't. Mm-hmm. Maybe not see with our eyes, but we can sense it. Yep. And, I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me that that energy, sometimes there's residual or sometimes it does get stuck in some, or sometimes so. it comes back or sometimes it comes from wherever it came from in the, in the case of the, maybe the internet dimensional beings. Hmm. So yeah, man. Whoo. Damn. Okay. Well, right. Got loads more of those. No, it's, just, it's great. I love the story of Rosa. I mean, but basically all this to, to get to the question of life after death. Is there life after death? I mean, fuck. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that even the, even that question is kind of silly. And the, the, the deeper I get into thinking about these different ideas around reincarnation, around, you know, the, the transition of energy from one form to the other, it's like, it just seems so obvious. Mm. Now, whether or not you know exactly how that energy is transitioning and in what form it takes after this, this current human form, mm. that's a whole other conversation. But, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer to me. Like, yeah, of course, there's something else. Yeah. It doesn't just stop. I mean, but I guess that's where people get hung up because this physical body, this does stop. Mm. And then it, it decomposes and gets taken back into mm-hmm. the ecosystem and then it's, you know, recirculates into the, the energy system in a different way. Yep. But whatever we call our soul or our spirit, that's that's the mysterious part, isn't it? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? And, th- and that, of course, is is energy. Um, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I... I believe that energy is is infinite, and it just takes different shapes. The dogs are really messing like with our sh- campfire noise. <laughs> of little Stup- Bali mutts, stu- stupid barking. Bali mutts making noise again, and ruining the illusion of I a campfire. Make you take a different form if you don't <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I Once love again, those two we must so apologise for Atti and Muda yeah. ap- appearing on the podcast. Without invitation. Without invitation. I mean, it would be fine if we could see them on video, and I think people would be much more accepting if they saw how cute they are. One day. But all you do is just hear them barking. And it's so, just kind yeah. Of annoying. Sorry about that. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, th- I think we are, I, I think energy is uh, infinite. I, I, I don't believe that we are, uh, I, th- I think that we are, souls using a body using using the earth rover as i call it to have this experience mm-hmm. the the earth school experience i like that like um, the earth school idea yeah and uh, and i think we need 
in Earth School, in third density Earth School, we need a, we need an Earth rover, and that's called a human body. Mm. Or perhaps even a dog's body or other bodies, as, as per our conversation a couple of weeks ago. So I completely uh, believe that there is life after death, and, and I, I totally agree with you. I, I think it's, it feels a little bit silly to, to argue otherwise. Um, but the thing is, I, I, had a, I had a girlfriend who was a very rational, pragmatic thinker, and she'd never had an experience. She'd never had any metaphysical experience whatsoever. She'd never sensed any energy mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. So for her, such discussions and, and ideas uh, are, are, were anyway uh, absolutely ludicrous. She just she she wouldn't she refused to believe it. But at the same time, she she had no way of uh, disproving my mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. Certainly, when you think about the last the story with the with the house, that thirty years on, two total strangers are also being haunted, are also mm. having experiences. I don't know these people. I literally walked into their house for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. So, I, I think that's probably the thing I, I find more amusing is when people are so dismissive of ideas that don't fit the narrative. Yeah, with with absolutely no experience or understanding or ability to to argue against it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it can be scary. <clears throat> it can be scary to think those things. And it really gets to the core of this idea of consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you take the mainstream Western scientific perspective on consciousness, it originates in your brain. Mm-hmm. It is created. But if you, if you, open that up Mm. and you start thinking and exploring different ideas of what consciousness is, then in my mind, it becomes clear that it does not originate in your brain. That is not the source of consciousness, that it is actually being, your brain's like an antenna that is channeling this larger consciousness, Mm -hmm. greater consciousness that's coming through you. And your brain is a utility and a a very effective, Mm -hmm. highly complex utility of the earth rover. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's not, the it's not the uh the epitome of, right. of your consciousness but it, it makes sense if you're looking at it from that perspective mm-hmm. from the perspective of oh it's just it's it's contained to you and your brain and that's it because then it becomes easier to control and mm-hmm. separate and isolate people mm-hmm. and say and blame people for whatever it is that they have going on it's like well they're just fucked up you know they're schizophrenic yep they're they're obsessive compulsive they're bipolar they're whatever it is that they are when really that to me, when I when I think of schizophrenia, for instance, mm. that is an indication of what's going on in that society, mm-hmm. an indication of what's going on in that world, because those people are very hypersensitive to whatever is going on in the shared consciousness. Yep, but totally if you, agree. the Western perspective and you know the the medical, I guess you would call it. What would you call it in mental health? Well, I suppose you just call it modern day psychology. Wouldn't yeah, you? I would guess you would just call it like yeah, modern day psychology. But that it's it challenges the whole belief system that underpins that and all the science. But then if you look at, uh, well, you look at Carl Jung, mm-hmm. C.G. Jung, for example, he was, he was obviously a, a renowned psychiatrist, but, uh, but he, had, he actually had a near-death experience mm. and uh, wrote many essays uh, about the ethereal and about the concept of life after death mm-hmm. and actually took a wound up talking some adopting some very eastern principles and philosophies 
into his work. Mm. But I don't know, I don't know enough about Carl Jung to know whether, whether that all happened primarily after his near-death experience. I know he, he accredited the near-death experience to, the, to a, new, a renaissance of, of some of his most brilliant works mm-hmm. after that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting space where right now, and I, and I think I might have said something um, a few weeks ago about this. I, 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 feel in my, I feel in my gut that we're, we're on, the, we're on the, the edge of um, some major discoveries. Yes, completely where, agree. Where one or two scientists are going to be able to bridge that gap between uh, spirituality and, and science and, and actually show people legitimate evidence that, that people are going to have to, they will have to accept. No, no longer will they... Will this cognitive dissonance continue to occur? Now, as you know, Chris, I respect everyone's truth. <laughs> you do. So, so I've got no problem with anybody who doesn't believe uh, in uh, in life after death, yeah, or sure. in or in energy, or even even though I could point them to a pile of actual science that shows them electromagnetic scans and so on and so forth. And of course, talk to them, talk to several Qigong, Tai Chi uh, and Eastern masters who would uh, change their minds in, in minutes. But um, I, I do think it's, I do feel like it's, it's time now for, for, for us all to try just to take a step back collectively and try to open our minds one more time even to the things that we we've said we've told ourselves aren't true don't exist are bullshit for the last 20 30 40 50 60 years of our lives perhaps just have another go collectively and say okay how do i feel about that these days i mean given what's happened in the past let's just say 10 years Mm mm-hmm I anything's possible. Right. So I think it is a, a wonderful thing to ask people to open their minds. We will also open our minds. Yeah, always. So you can leave us a voice message. If you've got some ghost story, some oh, counter yeah. Please ghost do. story. Please do. No, but I think that I think that's a, a great thing for us all to to remember to do. Mm. But for the sake of having a maybe a festive Halloween. <laughs> do it even more because it could could make for some fun. For sure. But then, uh, but then a word of caution, don't mess around with Ouija boards, please. Yeah, you got a thing against Ouija boards. Huh? Uh, yeah, we're not going to, that's for another conversation, but mm. uh, not a good idea to be for people to play with things well, like that. Well, and I think that's the thing is when you start opening this up, there is the potential for misuse, let's say. Of course there is. As, as with, with any such metaphysical practice yeah. or play and uh, or with anything else too i mean yeah yeah it, we, it, this this is not these are not things that people ought to meddle with mm-hmm. uh without really understanding a great deal more about uh, about what's going on mm-hmm. and when i say in the world i don't mean on this plane so spooky <laughs> Super spooky. Well, happy Halloween, everyone. Yeah. Happy Halloween. And I hope you enjoyed uh, Chinwag. Oh, before we go. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Two things. Two. 
Ah, forgotten one of them. But uh, which is <laughs> one iron- thing. <laughs> which is ironic because because the first thing I wanted to do was just pick up on. I was listening to one of our earlier shows, one of our chinwags, and I used the word goliarch twice. <laughs> I know. And, <laughs> and you you just let it happen. Well, because I thought I was like, Martin's a smart dude. He knows words. Maybe this is some other kind of arc that I don't know. Well, no. That's what I thought. I am seriously, uh, well, this is one of the reasons why I've been having some tests because uh, because, <laughs> because, because my, br- my brain's been doing some pretty strange stuff of late. Quite clearly, I and you and the rest of our listeners know that there's no such thing as a golly arc. <laughs> They are oligarchs. <laughs> Nevertheless, just in case anybody else, like Chris, decided perhaps I shouldn't question it because he seems to be <laughs> yeah. a relatively effective wordsmith yeah. uh, and perhaps I should just berate myself for not knowing what a goliarch is. Yeah. Rest assured, I just made that word up. That's kind of what I did. I was like, wow. wow goliarch, Do you know what a spoonerism huh? is? A s- <laughs> A spoonerism? Spoonerism. No, I don't. Oh, man, I wish I knew. Right. There was a guy, and I, I, I don't know if he was an English. Don't know if he was English, and I don't know if he was a politician or... Anyway, he was a dude, and I think his name was Spooner. Okay. And um, I'm going to have to hit everyone up with more facts about this next time we speak, but he had a, a, a condition, mental condition, where he would accidentally mix up the letters of words. Mm. So, for example... Atty and Muda, he would say Matty and Uda. Martin and Chris. Carton and Miss. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> oh, I've never, I always try to do that mm. and I can't. But it'd be Mriss, actually. I'm Mriss, yeah. Yeah, so Carton and Mriss. I'm actually surprised I was able to do that. Yeah, well, I, it's kind I, of a gift to do that. I couldn't do it, which is why I was hoping you were going to filber. Yeah, um, usually I can't. But. So this chap would do this all the time and it became uh, a thing and it was called the Spoonerism. Perhaps it's just an English thing. I'm, I'm doing this story injustice through lack of research. However, I suspect the goliarch and oligarch was some weird spooneristic <laughs> Spooner, Spooneristic. Well, I mean, if you think about it, all language is just made up. So Truth. Anyway, so that's all I got to say about that. Well, th- thank you. Nice chin wag. I guess we can call it done, yeah? Yeah. All right. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. What, is there any, like, any kind of festivities? Well, we just had a full moon here. That's, we're just going to do a full moon ceremony. We're going to drink some cacao. Drink some cacao and burn some Palo Santo, and that's, go to bed early. Yeah, sweet. All right. All right, night. Sign it off.